book five chapter six of history of the reformation in the sixteenth century volume two by jean henri mel d'aubigne translated by henry beveridge this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter six these theological discussions to which the worldly-minded of the present day would not devote a few short moments had been attended and listened to with eagerness during twenty days laymen knights and princes taking a deep interest in them to the last duke barnim and duke george seemed particularly attentive whereas some of the theologians of leipzig friends of dr epp slept as an eyewitness expresses it quite soundly it was even necessary to awake them on the adjournments that they might not lose their dinner luther was the first to quit leipzig and next karlstadt Eck remained several days after they were gone. No formal decision was given on the points discussed. Everyone spoke as he thought. There was at Leipzig, says Luther, loss of time and no investigation of the truth. During the two years in which we have been examining the doctrines of our opponents, we have counted all their bones. Eck, on the contrary, has hardly skimmed the surface, but he cried more in one hour than we did in two long years. Eck, when writing privately to his friends, admitted his defeat to a certain extent, though he was at no loss for an explanation. The Wittenbergers, wrote he to Hochstraten on the 24th of July, defeated me on several points, first because they brought books with them, secondly because they took down the debate in writing and examined it at home at their leisure and thirdly because they were more numerous two doctors karlstadt and luther langer vicar of the augustins two licentiates amsdorf and a very arrogant nephew of reuchlin melanchthon three doctors of law and several masters of arts lent their assistance both in public and private whereas i stood alone having nothing but a good cause for my companion eck forgot emser and all the doctors of leipzig though these concessions escaped eck in familiar correspondence he acted otherwise in public the doctor of ingolstadt and the theologians of leipzig made a great noise with what they called their victory they everywhere set false reports in circulation while all the tongues of the party reiterated their expressions of self-complacency. Eck goes about triumphing, wrote Luther. There were disputes, however, in the camp of Rome in regard to the laurels. Had we not come to the help of Eck, said the theologians of Leipzig, the illustrious doctor would have been overthrown. The theologians of Leipzig, said Eck on his part, are well enough, but I had hoped too much from them. I did the whole myself. You see, said Luther to Spalatin, how they are chanting a new Iliad and a new Enid. They are kind enough to make me a Hector or a Turnus, while Eck is their Achilles or Aeneas. Their only doubt is whether the victory was gained by the arms of Eck or by those of Leipzig. All I can say to throw light on the matter is that Eck uniformly kept bawling and the Leipzigers, as uniformly, held their peace. 
Eck, says the elegant, clever, and sagacious Mosellanus, has triumphed in the estimation of those who do not understand the subject, and who have grown old in poring over the schoolmen, but in the estimation of all men of learning, intellect, and moderation, Luther and Karlstadt are the victors. The Leipzig discussion, however, was not destined to vanish into smoke. Every work which is devoutly performed bears fruit. The words of Luther had penetrated the minds of his hearers with irresistible force. Several of those who had daily thronged the castle hall were subdued by the truth, whose leading conquests were made among her most decided opponents. Even Poliander, the secretary, familiar friend and disciple of Eck, was gained to the Reformation, and began in 1522 to preach the gospel at Leipzig. John Camerarius, professor of Hebrew, one of the keenest opponents of the Reformation, impressed by the words of the mighty teacher, began to examine the Holy Scriptures more thoroughly, and, shortly after throwing up his situation, came to Wittenberg to study at the feet of Luther. He was afterwards pastor at Frankfurt and Dresden. Among those who had taken their place on the seats reserved for the court and accompanied Duke George was George of Anhalt, a young prince, twelve years of age, of a family which had distinguished itself in the wars against the Saracens. At this time he was studying at Leipzig with his tutor. Great ardour for science and a strong attachment to truth had already become the characteristics of the illustrious young prince. He was often heard to repeat the words of Solomon, Falsehood ill becomes a prince. The Leipzig discussion inspired this child with serious reflection and with a decided leaning to Luther. Some time after, a bishopric was offered to him. His brother and all his family, with the view of raising him to high honour in the church, urged him to accept it, but he resolutely declined. His pious mother, who was secretly favourable to Luther, having died, he became possessed of all the reformer's writings. He was constant and fervent in prayer to God, to incline his heart to the truth, and often, in the solitude of his chamber, exclaimed with tears, Deal mercifully with thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. His prayers were heard. Carried forward by his convictions, he fearlessly joined the ranks of the friends of the gospel. In vain did his guardians, and particularly Duke George, beseech him with entreaties and remonstrances. He remained inflexible, and the duke, half convinced by his pupil's reasons, exclaimed, I cannot answer him. Still, however, I will keep by my church. I am too old a dog to be trained." We will afterwards see in this amiable prince one of the finest characters of the Reformation, one who himself preached the word of life to his subjects, and to whom the saying of Dion respecting the Emperor Marcus Antoninus has been applied. He was through life consistent with himself. He was a good man, a man free from guile. But Luther's words met with an enthusiastic reception, especially from the students. They felt the difference between the spirit and life of the doctor of Wittenberg and the sophistical distinctions and vain speculations of the Chancellor of Ingolstadt. 
they saw luther founding upon the word of god and they saw dr eck founding only on human traditions the effect was soon visible the classes of the university of leipzig almost emptied after the discussion one circumstance partly contributed to this the plague threatened to make its appearance but there were many other universities for example erfurt or ingolstadt to which the students might have repaired the force of truth drew them to wittemberg where the number of students was doubled among those who removed from the one university to the other was a youth of sixteen of a melancholy air who spoke little and often amid the conversation and games of his fellow-students seemed absorbed by his own thoughts his parents at first thought him of weak intellect but they soon found him so apt to learn and so completely engrossed by his studies that they conceived high hopes of him his integrity his candour his modesty and his piety made him a general favourite and mosellanus singled him out as a model to all the university he was called gaspard krusiger and was originally from leipzig this new student of wittemberg was afterward the friend of melanchthon and the assistant of luther in the translation of the bible the leipzig discussion produced results still more important inasmuch as the theologian of the reformation then received his call modest and silent melanchthon had been present at the discussion almost without taking any part in it till then his attention had been engrossed by literature but the discussion gave him a new impulse and gained him over to theology henceforth his science did homage to the word of god he received the evangelical truth with the simplicity of a child his audience heard him expound the doctrines of salvation with a grace and clearness by which all were charmed he boldly advanced in this which was to him a new career for said he christ will never leave his people from this moment the two friends walked side by side contending for liberty and truth the one with the energy of st paul and the other with the meekness of st john luther has admirably expressed the difference of their calling i was born said he to enter the field of battle and contend with factions and demons hence my writings breathe war and tempest i must root up the trunks remove the thorns and the brambles and fill up the marshes and pools i am the sturdy woodcutter who must clear the passage and level the ground but master philip advances calmly and softly he digs and plants sows and waters joyously in accordance with the gifts which god has with so liberal a hand bestowed upon him if melanchthon the quiet sower was called to the work by the discussion of leipzig luther the hardy woodcutter felt his arm strengthened and his courage still more inflamed by it the mightiest result of this discussion was produced in luther himself scholastic theology said he sunk entirely in my estimation under the triumphant presidency of dr eck in regard to the reformer the veil which the school and the church had hung up in front of the sanctuary was rent from top to bottom constrained to engage in new inquiries he arrived at unexpected discoveries 
with equal astonishment and indignation he saw the evil in all its magnitude while poring over the annals of the church he discovered that the supremacy of rome had no other origin than ambition on the one hand and credulous ignorance on the other the narrow point of view under which he had hitherto looked at the church was succeeded by one both clearer and wider in the christians of greece and the east he recognized true members of the catholic church and instead of a visible head seated on the banks of the tiber he adored as sole head of his people that invisible and eternal redeemer who according to his promise is always and in all parts of the world in the midst of those who believe in his name the latin church luther no longer regarded as the universal church the narrow barriers of rome were thrown down and he shouted for joy when he saw the glorious domain of jesus christ stretching far beyond them henceforth he felt that he could be a member of the church of christ without belonging to the church of the pope in particular the writings of john huss made a strong impression on him to his great surprise he discovered in them the doctrine of st paul and st augustine the doctrine to which he himself had arrived after so many struggles i believed said he and without knowing it taught all the doctrines of john huss so did Staupitz. in short without suspecting it we are all hussites as are also st paul and st augustine i am confounded at it and know not what to think oh what dreadful judgments have not men merited from god evangelical truth when unfolded and published more than a century ago was condemned burned and suppressed woe woe to the earth luther disengaged himself from the papacy regarding it with decided aversion and holy indignation all the witnesses who in every age had risen up against rome came successively before him to testify against her and unveil some of her abuses or errors oh darkness exclaimed he he was not allowed to be silent as to these sad discoveries the pride of his adversaries their pretended triumph and the efforts which they made to extinguish the light fixed his decision he advanced in the path in which god was leading him without any uneasiness as to the result luther has fixed upon this as the moment of his emancipation from the papal yoke learn by me said he how difficult it is to disencumber oneself of errors which the whole world confirms by its example and which from long habit have become a second nature for seven years i had been reading and with great zeal publicly expounding the holy scriptures so that i had them almost entirely by heart i had also all the rudiments of knowledge and faith in the lord jesus christ that is to say i knew that we were not justified and saved by our works but by faith in christ and i even maintained openly that the pope is not the head of the christian church by divine authority and yet i could not see the inference that certainly and necessarily the pope is of the devil for whatever is not of god must of necessity be of the devil further on luther adds 
i no longer vent my indignation against those who are still attached to the pope since i myself after reading the holy scriptures so carefully and for so many years still clung to the pope with so much obstinacy such were the true results of the discussion of leipzig results far more important than the discussion itself and resembling those first successes which discipline an army and inflame its courage End of Book 5, Chapter 6